Welcome to the City Confessions. I'm Marianne Yip, a native New Yorker, and I'm here to discuss all the thoughts that go to the minds of people living in New York City. Since I'm a native who was born and raised in a city that never sleeps, I come across people who are constantly in a rush. I would like to take a moment to sit down and talk about what's on their minds and what keeps them up at night. So sit back and let's dive into these confessions of people I know and people I just met. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the City Confessions. Today's guest is Mike Indersky. He's the founder of sustainable beauty brand Hear Me Raw and also the former president of Bliss and the CMO of Birds Bees. So, welcome, Mike. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. How are you? I'm doing well. I mean, there's like a heat wave in New York right now. So, <laughs> trying to stay cool indoors. Are yeah, you, you're, kind of, you're in New York, right? Yeah, I'm in New York. I'm in Soho. and it, It's kind of brutal, but I find if I keep my windows shut, the shades shut, keep my ceiling fan on, I'm fine. I'm trying not to use the air conditioner. I'm trying to save energy, um, mm-hmm. let people who need it use it. So uh, I've, been, I've been good so far. I haven't used the, air, I haven't used the AC once. That's amazing. And, and that brings me to, I guess, like introducing the brand Hear Me Raw because it is a sustainable beauty brand. So why don't you introduce yourself, tell the listeners who you are, what you do, and how did the concept of Hear Me Raw come about? Sure. Well, I'm Mike Ndersky, um, a native New Yorker and a true native New Yorker, yes, as opposed to other too. native New Yorkers who say they're native New Yorkers, but they're from Albany. <laughs> or, or, they, or they're transplants from Seattle. I grew up in the Bronx. Uh, I've been here most of my life. Uh, last 10 years, I've been living in Soho. And I've been in the beauty business. And I don't know why. I didn't choose to go into the beauty business. I thought it'd be in entertainment or sports. But I was put into a job and I was good at it. And 30 years later, I'm still doing beauty. And after being at L'Oreal and Burt's Bees and Calvin Klein and Bliss. Um, I'm so excited about the, the things that I was able to accomplish with my teams. But I realized after we sold the last company, Bliss, that you look at the industry and after 30 years, you know, it's like 2021, brands are still selling products with ingredients which shouldn't go on your face, impacting which isn't sustainable, making claims they can't keep with prices that are too high and products you don't need. And it bothered me. It it bothered me that we're still putting these ingredients on, that in this day and age, that packaging isn't sustainable, that the stuff that you're buying is going right into landfills. And that's not just true of the beauty business. That's true of all businesses. Every single product, every single package should should be sustainable. So I said, I need to do something about this. And I didn't choose to, you know, I didn't really want to go back into beauty, but I just felt there was a need to give people what they really need, just powerful products, super powerful, that are truly natural, not clean. Your brands call themselves clean and clean, all all that clean means is like there's nothing bad in it, but uh, it doesn't mean it's natural. It doesn't mean it's vegan. It doesn't mean it's cruelty-free. It doesn't mean that there aren't some synthetic ingredients which shouldn't be in there. 
we're sustainable. We have a refillable, reusable packaging system. It's a glass jar and lid that you use these refill pods that are recyclable. And we use about 88% less packaging than other brands, uh, much lower carbon footprint. And with the refill pods, you save a lot of money. Um, and, and, you know, we, we're, we also, we try to be good and do good. And we work with Leaping Bunny, which makes sure that there's no cruelty to any animals. We work with 1% for the planet, where we give 1% of all of our earnings to, uh, to the environment. We work with the NAACP empowerment programs. We work with Global Citizen. We work with Women's March. Um, we, we, we try to be part of the community and try to be change. We try to make the change that, that we believe in. So um, it's, it's been incredibly exciting. We, this is pretty much still our first year. We, we had finally the fourth of our four SKUs out in August of last year. And uh, this is the, the end of the first year. We're doing great. Our name is getting out there. We're being picked up by retailers. And I could not be having more fun in my life than what I'm doing right now. I love hearing that. I've actually tried the products and what I do love is the refillable, yeah, refill pods. I feel like it's such a genius idea because there are many times when, you know, I finish a product and clearly I, th I toss it out, but it's such a great way to be sustainable and just make your own impact in the world and in the planet. And I think there is a, a, a more conscious shift to purchasing habits I think as consumers, sometimes we forget that we do have the power to make changes. And yeah, I just love what you're doing. So I'm so curious to also know, I guess, since you've been in the industry for 30 years, what has been the biggest challenge? Because clearly I'm not in the beauty industry. And then, so it's a two-part question. So what has been the biggest challenge? And can you walk me through, I guess, the entrepreneurial journey? Like when you think of a product, what actually goes on from from bringing that product to life? Well, the biggest challenge, quite honestly, as a startup, is not having leverage. You know, when you have a big company, when you're working at L'Oreal and you have a problem with a vendor, the problem pretty much goes away because you're L'Oreal. You know, mm. uh, when you were here, Mira, uh, they say they might say. Well, your concerns are, are important to us, but I got to take care of L'Oreal. So you, you fall to the bottom based on how much money uh, you're making for this company. Uh, I'm very fortunate that the vendors I work with have been amazing, just fantastic partners. Uh, it's kind of like my dream team of partners. But I have in the past, at the beginning of this enterprise, had a couple of problems with people who did the wrong things, um, who put money before friendship. And, uh, mm. and that was, that was quite honestly, personally, and, uh, uh, and from a business perspective, painful to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. I feel like, yeah, when it comes to business, it's like a tricky, I guess, I don't even know how to explain it. Like sometimes money is such a factor that sometimes it, it affects how people behave, right? It affects yeah. how they show up and but it just goes to show like who they are at, at their core. So it's unfortunate. I, I, absolutely. That, yeah. there, there's been people who I, I honestly thought of as friends uh, who you've helped. You've helped them. You've helped their family. You've given advice. You've given them business advice. Who 
you know, when, when, when they were needed, weren't there. At the same time, there's people who you didn't even know you were that close to, and they jump in as heroes. And uh-huh. it is, uh, it's mind blowing. And, uh, these people who jumped in to help out who I never thought, you know, they're like, they're great people. I always liked them, but the degree to which they came and helped was so incredible that, uh, they are friends for life and I'd go through a wall for them for what they did for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, no, I have those like core people too. So, yeah. Um, so yes, tell me how, how long did it take for you to actually get this, you know, up and running? I would say f- from the, from the initial idea to getting everything developed, uh, I would say about three years. Um, okay. it, there, there was a lot of like, I don't want to say ups and downs, but a lot of obstacles which delayed things. Uh, but again, I, I think I netted out in the best place possible. Uh, I you know, really was going to do this with a partner, and that didn't work out. The benefit is, uh, the, the, the downside was rather costing me more. The benefit is it's all mine. And um, that's just thrilling. And you don't have anyone to answer to but yourself. Mm-hmm. And then tell me about the name. Hear Me Raw. Yeah, I, I, the Hear Me Raw was interesting because it, it came about because as I was talking to women and hearing about what they were feeling and how they were feeling, they were saying, like, they're frustrated. Like, I want, I, why do I have to choose between a product that works and something that's natural? Why can't I have both? And why is it that they use this, this deceptive packaging, this fake packaging? This overly ornate packaging, which all winds up in a landfill, and they're 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 making these these real concerns. They're, they're voicing these real concerns. What's interesting was the the emotion they had behind the concerns. They were they were pissed. You know, why do I have to choose between forty SKUs? Why is it when I go into a big retailer, I can't figure out what to buy because there's so many thousands of SKUs? Why can't we just have a few SKUs? So, I, there was a sense of like, you know, you're not doing right by me. Listen to me, you know, hear me roar. So that's where it came from. It came from like, hear me roar. Like I want to be heard. So I want to be like the voice for people who who have this frustration. So the brand is an activist brand. We're activists in everything we do. We're active in terms of how we, how we work on your skin and we're active in the world, but, you know, working with the companies we mentioned before. And that's important. We want to have this kind of rock star, you know, fuck you in your face spirit. Like this is, this is what we stand for. If you don't like it, that's okay. And we're just going to keep moving forward. And you wind up having people who love you for that. And sometimes you have people who don't love you for that, but that's okay. I'd rather have people, I'd rather have people. And if you have a brand who love you or hate you, then people all kind of like you because if people all kind of like you, they'll move on to the next thing that they like after you. Uh, the people who love you will stay with you. And that's what we, that's been our approach and it's working quite well. Okay. So when I hear you speak, I'm like, of course he's a native New Yorker (laughs) because (laughs) I am one too, but I just love not only your energy, but just like your bluntness. And that's something that I get a lot as well. And I totally agree with your, you know, sentiment about either you like me or you don't like me. And first of all, I don't take it personally. It's totally fine. I know I'm not for everybody, but also just there is, you know, we don't really care for that middle ground. 
or like that gray area. And yeah, so with that being said, I would love to bring it back to your background, actually, sure. just like New York. What what was it like growing up here? And how do you think that has affected just the way you go about business or about just life in general? It, well, it, it's really interesting because I had, I mean, I grew up in the Bronx. We had a we we had a good neighborhood, but we had I was growing up in the Bronx, like in the seventies and eighties, and it was a very very tough time in New York. Um, we had a lot of um, experiences that were tough. You know, I we, my mom, my dad, and I were tied up at gunpoint in our apartment, and uh, I was seventeen at the time, and uh, I got out of the ropes. And I went at one of the guys, not to be a brave person. I was just out of my mind because it was like so surreal. And the guy throws me down, reties. He puts a gun to my head, says, you do that again, I'll fucking kill you. Uh, I've had my best friend killed. My godfather was killed. Uh, my father's been robbed. He had a bar in Harlem, you know, three or four times. He's had guns pulled on him. So we went through a lot. And I, I don't come out of it as this bitter, angry, shaken scared or overly tough guy, I come out of this as, well, that was a colorful upbringing and I'm alive, and, you know, alive and happy and, and, um, uh, uh, you know, just living a life of, of happiness. So it, it's interesting, but, you know, I, I come out of this after all these years and I keep working on this, that, um, as opposed to being like this tough, gruff New Yorker, on the contrary, I like to lead with love. I like to, you know, light up everyone I meet and uh, anyone on the street. You know, you meet anyone in a restaurant, anyone who comes by asking you for money. You know, you ask what your name is, where you're from, and you just try to light up as many lives as possible and lead just a really happy, warm life. And at the same time, protect yourself at all times, you know, because you never know what's going to happen. And mm -hmm. Having been a karate instructor in boxing, I do tend to also have this kind of like boxing mentality of, you know, you can't knock me down, I can take it. So it's that really weird mix that I have of this really, really warm and loving side, we'll do anything for anybody's side, at the same time, you know, protect yourself at all times. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting that you mentioned that because when you were talking, I was like, oh, I think I think I have a little bit of that in me as well. And I think, you know, I obviously have not gone through all that you have, but people do not know or they're not aware that back in the 70s and 80s that it, there were dangerous, I guess, neighborhoods and things that happening in New York City. I personally didn't experience that because I, you know, I wasn't alive then. <laughs> but it does, I think the New York City breeds just like, very resilient people, whether that's yeah. you growing up here, you know, and we're, I'm so grateful for that, or people, like you said, decide to move here. But there is, like, not everybody can survive in New York City. And, no, you know, with that... No. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. No, I no, a lot of people can't. And I think we... See, when I grew up, and people like me grew up, this was our normality. Mm -hmm. This was this is what life is. There was no other life. There was nothing to compare it to. When you come from another place where you don't experience this, and now you're experiencing it, it's intense. Yeah. And a lot of people come here, they'll stay here for about seven years, and they go, I've kind of had it. 
Now, New York now is very different than it was back then, but um, uh, it's, it's, you know, when you grow up with it, you don't know anything different. So there's nothing, there's no reason to leave because this is what it is. And, and by the way, the upside of New York is insane. I mean, it's amazing. There's no city I'd rather live in than New York. You know, there's cities I love, but New York is the absolute best. And, uh, I love it and I love being where I am. And yeah, I mean, would it be nice to have a place someplace else? Sure. You know, I can always take a vacation if I want. But I just, I just love it here, and I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. That's totally me. Like when I'm fed up with the mm. city, that's when I board a plane and I say peace out. But it's <laughs> such a great feeling to be able, you know, when when you're traveling and people are like, oh, you know, and they're saying, oh, how many days are you here? Like, how many more days do you have left? And you're like, oh, two or three. And they're like, oh, where are you going back? And it's like, it's so great to say I'm going to New York City. And like New York City, I'm not traveling there. Like that is my home. And every single time I take the Uber from the airport back home and I cross the bridge and I see the skyline, like I, it never gets old. And that's so funny yeah. you say that. That's so funny you say that. Whenever I'm either flying in and you're going over the, the skyline and you see the Empire State Building, whenever I'm driving, you know, uh, if I'm taking uh, a car from Brooklyn into Manhattan and, um, I see the Empire State Building. I just, I'm in awe, in mm-hmm. absolute awe of this city, in absolute awe of this incredible structure, which to me is like the the epicenter of New York. It's just the most majestic, beautiful thing you could ever imagine. Just look at the Empire State Building to me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think more than that also, it is a city where you just meet so many people, which is why I was inspired to start this podcast because First of all, when I was growing, you know, when I was growing older and meeting more people, I didn't realize how rare it was to be a native New Yorker. And like, did you ever get that feeling? Yeah, I, I, I you know, when there is like, there is this little bit of a New York arrogance and when, when someone goes, <laughs> I'm, I'm a New Yorker. Uh, so you really, mm-hmm. where are you from? Well, you know, mm-hmm. I'm from, <laughs> from Colorado, but I moved here five years ago. I said, well, you, you don't really, you haven't really earned it. Or if someone goes there from Rochester, and no offense to Rochester, and they are technically New Yorkers, like state, yeah. but it's, it's just not the same. There's a there's a savvy and a grit mm-hmm. and a style and a speed that comes with New Yorkers, native New Yorkers, that uh, is kind of infectious and obnoxious at the same time. <laughs> no, it's so true. I don't know what the rule is, but. I think it's like if you moved here and you live here for what is it like nine years, then you can call yourself a New Yorker. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's so funny because I'll ask people and they're like, oh, I've been here for seven years. I'm like, well, sorry, <laughs> you still need to live here for two more years. I love Paris. I couldn't imagine living in Paris 10 years and calling myself a Parisian. Mm. I, I just, I just, it's disingenuous to me. I, I can't be a Parisian. You know? Yeah, um, I've actually never thought about it in that way. Yeah. It's interesting. I wanted to just shift gears a little bit because now that we, the audience, you know, is getting to know you more, um, my transition question is what keeps you up at night? And it sounds so simple, I know, and this can mean, you know, literally or metaphorically. But I asked this because, like you were saying, a lot of New Yorkers were somewhat in our own heads, in our own worlds. We're always, you know, going from destination A to B, at least pre-COVID. 
but I feel like we're so caught up with our next task and our next goal and our next project that we don't really take time to sit down and really just like chit chat, but not just chit chat, but like go to the root of whatever is bothering us. But I also want to preface this by saying that if you currently are living your best life, that is fine as well. So if you can share just what has been on your mind, what is stressing you out, yeah, that would be great. You know, it's funny. That, that, that's a great question. Um, first of all, I'm very fortunate um, that having been able to be involved in, in the business I've been, being able to sell Hertz Bees, then being able to sell Bliss, I'm, I'm in a more fortunate position, right? Um, so I, I don't have some of the worries that a lot of people have. I'm very fortunate for that and very thankful that and feel very blessed for that. Having said that, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at such peace with myself. As you grow older, the degree to which you care about what other people think about you goes down and down. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just, it, now, I mean, I, I, everyone wants to be loved. I love being loved. I love my friends and stuff. But the, the need to prove myself to anyone, the need to uh, be on stage is just, is just kind of gone away. And I'm at such peace with myself. And if I weren't doing this, you know, I, I just might be spending all my time becoming a better guitarist. You know, I, I just, I, I don't, so, so I, I don't get, um, I, I don't have trouble sleeping really at all. And I think the only thing on my mind right now is, is just my dad and his health. My dad's 92 and he's doing great. He's amazing health. And um, I'm under the, the belief that he's going to live forever. But the truth is he's not. And I'm trying to make every day of his life the best it can be. And um, knowing I, you can never do enough, you know. I'm, I'm seeing him tonight, going up to the Bronx, getting some Italian food, you know, uh, <laughs> see him twice a week, call him every day. I think that's the only thing is just my dad's, my mm-hmm. dad's health and happiness. Um, aside from that, I, I just feel so good and just, you know, just want to try to make a difference in the world and, you know, you know, really showing people about the importance of sustainability in the environment and doing as much as I can and be an activist in every way I can. Um, and, but knowing you can't push yourself that hard because you, you know, you can never do enough and you can't beat yourself up for not doing enough, you know? So mm. I, that, that's it. But no, I, I really don't have trouble sleeping. I do have problems relaxing. I don't have problems mm. sleeping. Wow. That was a powerful like quote that you kind of said though. I, I love okay. hearing that because I think, I mean, I'm getting older. Everybody's you know, aging. (laughs) And I think sometimes, especially when you're in your 20s or like, you know, making your way to your 30s, like there is this fear, at least for me or my friends or or just like a common, you know, agreement that like, oh, I don't want to get older. But I do realize and I do agree that you do become so much more comfortable and confident in your own skin and your approach. And like, you don't, you know, I mean, I curse all the time. This is like, you know, a an explicit podcast, but I don't give a fuck anymore. You know, it's <laughs> like you, like I said, it's going back to what we mentioned in the beginning. It's like, you like me, you don't like me. My life is so going to be great. What are exactly. what I do, right? And it's you know, like, mm-hmm. You said something earlier, you talked about like surviving and, you know, there's this mentality of survive and thrive. Mm-hmm. You know, every day survive and thrive. You know, make, you know, get through the, the problems, the, the heartaches, the challenges, 
and thrive and make it the best you can be. And I've, I've taken that mentality and it's kind of evolved between that and again, the, 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 the lack of a need to, um, you know, really care what everyone's thinking all the time and all other stuff is I've gotten to a state, this is going to sound really, um, I hope it doesn't sound obnoxious, but I've gone to this state of flow where mm-hmm. everything just flows now. It's a beautiful, beautiful way of existing and working where you, know, you have a problem, you just find a way to maneuver the problem. You don't hit it hard. You don't go against it like against a wall. You kind of, you kind of, um, just flow around it and make it work for you. It's kind of like an octopus, you know, like octopus has a bad day. He doesn't go to another octopus and bitch about it. <laughs> you know, oh my God, this freaking shark came over, tried to eat me. Yeah. You know, he just survives and thrives and flows and moves. And I keep thinking of that. And when you do that, it, it just has all this positive energy behind it. And then that starts making you flow better and faster and higher. And I know that sounds, I'm, I'm not a, overly spiritual person. I'm not, you know, like, that. but I really do feel like if someone says like, what's your current state? It's a, a, a it's a current state of positive energy flow. And, uh, I'm seeing the benefits in the business. I'm seeing it with my, in my relationships, um, my friendships. So yeah, it's just, it's just a wonderful place to be in. And I think that, you know, we, we take challenges and problems as really bad things. No, they're things. Now, what do you do about it? When you ascribe all this negativity to a problem, uh, it becomes a real bad problem. If, you, if it becomes, okay, there's a, like a little roadblock. How do we get around this? And think of it positively. It just leads to a much happier, less stressful life. Okay, so I'm pretty spiritual. So when you were saying that, I literally was just smiling because it was <laughs> it was so good. I don't think it sound, sounds arrogant at all. I think... That is such a beautiful outlook on life because I think when you are calm internally and grounded mentally, like all the problems and struggles and like you said, roadblocks, like none of it really matters. And I feel like you're better able to look at it from, you know, a bird's eye view and everything becomes much clearer in terms of how to navigate through it or like what the, you know, what are the other options? Because there's always always solutions and alternatives to whatever's at hand and it's funny that you mentioned that too because so growing up in the city i actually was easily irritated and i was one of those people who i just felt like i was really angry at the world (laughs) and little things would just like tick me off like as you know like tourists stopping on the streets or like if i like just missed the train or like little again external city things would happen and I would just feel like my mood would instantly be affected and then until I picked up you know my own journey of like meditation and self-love and self-work I just feel so much more calmer now and then I moved uh, I just moved to Williamsburg and one of my girlfriends came to visit and she like noticed my energy too she's like wow you're so much more calm like before I was very just like reactive And I think I am kind of learning what you were mentioning about adopting this flow mentality. And I think when that happens, like I said, you just live your life. It becomes easier and you realize that life works for you and not against you. Yeah. And don't, don't view every 
missed subway and you know, mm-hmm. you know late you know plane is late whatever as the worst thing in the world it's mm-hmm. a thing you know it's funny I, this is kind of a silly example but i remember a few years ago maybe three years ago i was walking down my block and there was this couple on the corner with their kid and it's snowing out like crazy and the couple is miserable you hear it you feel their energy but the kid has his mouth open and is catching like snowflakes in his mouth and i'm thinking at what point in life does snow go from being the best thing ever to the worst thing ever you know and why do we have to look at it as the worst thing ever how about this is the most beautiful thing i'm walking through right now i'm well insulated so i'm not cold and i'm gonna have fun like you know, listening to some really good music and walking to work but it's just weird at one point we switch from this is fun to this is the worst thing ever. And we have to think about like not ascribing, you know, negativity to things that are, that happen because they could be good things, you know, mm-hmm. and, or they could be things that just aren't that bad, but not worth complaining over and making it ruin your mood or ruin your day. You know, like people say. Mm-hmm. It truly is perspective. Like when it comes down to it, you know, you can choose to look at the cap, the cup half full or half empty. It's all perspective and we all have the power to kind of create what kind of day we're going to have and what kind of mood we're going to be in and that took me a while to realize and I think once I was able to say like wow like I'm actually the captain of like my own ship right like I literally create my own reality so once I have that mind shift I just feel like I'm so much more at peace oh absolutely you know I'll tell you when I remember I used to always you know, wake up in the morning, get your phone, and start looking at emails, right? Mm-hmm. So you look at your emails. Most of it's going to be work stuff, stuff you have to do. There's going to be some problems in there. Uh, there might be some good things. But it's hard to wake up and look at that and feel great. So I don't look at my phone in the morning when I wake up. Mm-hmm. I, I do the New York Times spelling bee. But aside from that, I don't, I, don't, I don't look at my phone. I get up, work out, shower, eat, right? Then... I do this like exercise. It's actually, I hate to say, like a Tony Robbins exercise where you get yourself into peak shape and you put your hands up in the air in a power stance. You say, today's going to be an amazing day. Today's going to be an amazing day. And you go through Mm -hmm. why it's going to be an amazing day. Then you get yourself in this peak state. And then by the time you look at your emails, you're going to knock them all out. You're going to face every challenge because you're mentally prepared. You're physically prepared. You're emotionally prepared, right? In bed, you're not. Your, your, your weakest, poor state with one eye open, this one crusty eye trying to look at a bad email. No, you know, I want to be, I want to be like, you know, rock and roll when I'm ready to start the day. So I, I go through this exercise and I've, I've modified it for me and created like this weird go get them type of thing, mantra and uh, what, what my life's mission is and, you know, what I stand for and why I'm doing this. And you're just on fire. It's just, you could be, as opposed to like, oh shit, going to work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, as much as I've got very ambivalent feelings towards Tony Robbins and his practice, I learned a lot from the time I spent with him. And uh, that's something I incorporated in my life. I'm so glad I did. I mean, hearing you speak about your morning routine fires me up and I'm not even <laughs> the one doing it. But I totally agree. I always say, you know, when you answer emails or check your phone, you're answering to the world before answering to yourself. So like, I'm the same way. I'm like, I need minimum one hour to myself. Like I do not check any emails and not even messages. 
And of course, you know, if it's an emergency, then it's an emergency. But more often than not, it can wait. So I totally yep. agree with that. Okay, so as we are kind of wrapping up, since you already heard my previous episodes, I feel like you know what's coming. So I would love to ask you, Mike, if you can share a city confession. And the reason why I do this is because, one, I think, you know, every guest that I have, all of our stories, their stories, it's so unique. It's so valid and important, and it's great to, you know, listen to and share it. But I want to also, I guess, weave in this common denominator of all of us having confessions, whether it's deep, light, you know, there's no judgment. It's a judgment-free zone. So if you can share a city confession with all of us, what would that be, Mike? <laughs> a city confession. I, I, I knew this was coming. <laughs> I am not prepared for it. Um, That's great. I'd rather you not prepared, be prepared. Um, the city confession is in any place at any point in the evening, there's a good chance you'll find me someplace. Um, I'm a bizarre night owl. Uh, I'll go to raves in Brooklyn and I'll go to clubs in the city. And I'll, you know, I just love that life and concerts. And uh, yeah, I think if there's a good chance if you're in, you know, some crazy club, you know, oh, wait, there's Mike over there. What's he doing here? I didn't think he'd be here. Um, that would be my confession. Wait, I love is that, that. Is that good enough? No, or you want something? You want something? No, <laughs> there is no good or bad. Each confession is, you know, is valid. But I'm so. Where do you go? Because I mean, I I'm definitely a social and outgoing person. But I feel like with COVID, you know, and everything, I don't even know what's what's happening in the city. <laughs> well, my my my. I mean, I have my go to spots in my neighborhood, of course. Um, but one of my favorite places to go is Brooklyn Mirage. I, I absolutely mm-hmm. love Brooklyn Mirage. I was there this weekend. Um, you know, before COVID, I'd go there like pretty much every every two weeks. It's just, you know, amazing DJs, great energy, great people. It's just, and, and the, the, the place is run phenomenally. Um, so that's, that's one of my favorite kind of go-to places. Um, and it's just weird when you're walking out at some ungodly hour and you bump into <laughs> friends of yours or, or, or acquaintances. Mm-hmm. Mike, is that you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I would, that, that's my favorite. Brooklyn Steel was an amazing concert hall, but they're not doing much right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like a lot of great places in the city, like gospel and a bunch of others. Um, local bars, my neighborhood, a lot of fun. But I just, I, I really feed off the energy of the night. And, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's just, it's just, just you know, like this, this city is also a bit of a playground. So, uh, you know, have some fun safely. Absolutely. Maybe we'll meet at Brooklyn Mirage one day. <laughs> we, we probably have. We just didn't recognize each other. <laughs> probably. Okay. So as we are closing out, I want to take a moment now to just send you my gratitude for saying yes to be on my podcast and scheduling me and this recording in your schedule. I think, you know, it's important to send appreciation because it doesn't go unnoticed. And it's not like one, it's not like I have, what am I trying to say? It's not like 
uh, anybody that I ask, they have to say yes, you know? So the fact that you said yes, that means a lot to me. And honestly, I enjoy well, this conversation so much. Well, I, I actually, I wanted to say that to you. I, you know, to give me a chance to, you know, first of all, to, to meet you and to share my experiences. And, you know, my goal in, in, in you know, in, in this today and when I've done some other podcasts is if I can share something that helps someone else, um, that's what it's about. It's not about, hey, this is my wild, crazy life in New York. It's about, you know, other things that have helped me get through life and how I've evolved as a human being um, and just try to share that as much as possible in the, in, the, in the hope that someone gets inspired and it helps them lead a better life. Trust me, when you were talking throughout this whole like episode, I was like, oh my God, yes. Like I wanted to write down things that you said. So I'm sure the listeners got something positive out of it. <laughs> and now I want you to just plug away. I'm obviously going to leave all of your information as well as Hear Me Raw's information in the show notes. So everybody listening, be sure to click that. But do you have any secret projects? secret launches that you can reveal so know that it's the end of july what can uh -huh. the world be on the lookout from hear me, hear me raw or from you mike personally in the next six months or just the, the next year well I, I i have some some projects which unfortunately i can't talk about that i'm doing a couple of celebrity <laughs> mm -hmm. things which i've been asked to be quiet about but um i i just say look if you haven't tried it Hear Me Raw rocks. It's only four products. You only you don't even need all four of them. Um, there's the clarifier, the brightener, the detoxifier, and the hydrator. They're all multi-purpose. They're all fully natural. They're sustainable. They rock. You can get it on hearmeraw.com. And uh, I think um, in a couple of weeks, we're having like a buy one, get one free sale. So mm -hmm. I would say get the hydrator and any other one product like the brightener and uh just rock out and what we could do is i can give a code for your for your viewers um and uh so they can get like a, a special offer if we if, if that's mm -hmm. okay with you yeah okay cool all right okay one more question i know i'm always like lying about how many questions i have left <laughs> um what is your superpower my secret power is like i'm a walking generator i just give off energy all the time and people can plug into it and get enlightened. I love that. And that's so true because honestly, when we were talking for the first three minutes, I was like, oh my God, he's firing me up because it's important. I feed off other people's energies and I feel like I'm so much more like quote unquote on. Not that I'm not on in my other episodes, but I try to match the other person's energy and you definitely have like amazing energy. So thank you for blessing us with that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I grew up like, you know, brutally hard on myself, brutally, brutally hard on myself. And that inspired me to do better and better. And I once took this um, uh, Center for Creative Leadership course that my company sent me to. And I learned that you have to embrace what you're great at and also embrace what you suck at, you know, and focus on what you're great at and recognize what your skills, your talents and, and, and your, your, your qualities are at the same time, recognize the ones that you, you don't have. And when, when you Everyone telling you, you have this amazing energy, it's amazing. I love your energy. You light up a room and you hear this all the time. You realize at a certain point, maybe I do, you know, and then when you realize you do and you let it out, then, you know, you can, you can like uh, really get people in a good place. So I, I just try to, as I said before, lead with love, try to light people up, 
try to make everyone feel special and wonderful and not because it makes me happy and it makes them happy. And hopefully if I make someone happy, they're going to make someone else happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it made me also think like when you were talking, like hear me raw, like your energy, you know, like when you're just navigating throughout the city, like hear me raw, like the, the internal exactly. voice through, through your energy. So yes, I love it. It's kind okay. of, it's, the, the yeah. brand is a little bit biographical, autobiographical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's amazing because I think storytelling is so important and such a key element when building a brand. And I think you guys do that really well, or you do that really well. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that so much. Okay, so everybody listening, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, feel free to click on the show notes for more information about Hear Me Raw. And with that being said, Mike, thank you again. I hope you have a beautiful, beautiful day. And I will talk to you all later. Bye. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. Bye-bye.